Brainiacs, welcome to another episode of Leather Brains. This is producer Scotty. I wanted to uh, start things off here with a quick disclaimer. We did have some technical difficulties on this episode. Still a lot of great information. I uh, think you still will enjoy it, but you'll notice a lot of background noise here. This is because when we were recording, um, you know, something went wrong, so I wasn't able to edit it in the way that I normally do. So basically, I, it's, it's raw audio, essentially, that you're hearing. So you're hearing a little bit of background noise. You're not hearing as clear of audio. Uh, that's just because I wasn't able to touch it up. I just wanted to give you that heads up. Like I said, still a lot of great information. I think uh, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to enjoy this podcast. Please bear with us on this, and we will get it fixed for the next episode on Wednesday. But thank you very much for tuning in, and enjoy. Welcome to Leather Bread, the podcast for fantasy football. Now, introducing your host, Hunter Slapdog Amaruso, and Matthew Scotty Hopemeyer. And we're live, baby. Welcome to episode 84 of Leather Brains. Uh, as always, I am your host, Slapdog, and I am joined here today by, there's only one friend with me it's scott del rey um unfortunately uh alan or well, probably very fortunately for him he is with his family at disney world enjoying himself and uh and he will not be with us today so it is just scotty and i today scotty how are you doing sir well <clears throat> before we get into it there are a couple things i want to talk about uh the first one being i understand taking your family to disney world i really do but I don't think I would enjoy that at all. I think running around Disney World in a gigantic crowd of people for several days trying to keep track of your small children sounds like a living fucking nightmare. It's a good time. I did it as a kid a couple times, and I have gone as an adult a couple times. I like Disney World. It's a fun time. There's rides. The The crowds are the worst part. I think COVID has helped with that. Um, COVID has kind of <laughs> really dispersed it slightly. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Not a lot. But Jesus. Um it, it's fun. And it, like as you get older, there's there's other things to appreciate. Right. Like as a as a child, I, I have distinct memories of um, a bug's life. And it wasn't a ride, but it was an attraction in which everything was huge. And I, you know, being a, a child and not. Um, and so everything is like giant. Right. There's like leaves that are the size of a building. And, and it's really, really cool. But like, I don't care about that now. What I do care about is alcohol. We drink whiskey on this podcast, and I and so for me as an adult, the coolest thing and what I would like a, a dream for me is to take all of my friends and we all go to Disney World and we go to Epcot. And Epcot is as a child is the worst place because there's no rides, and all you do is just walk around a giant pond. But as an adult, it's really cool because you go into each different country like Japan or uh, China, and you can drink beer that is local to those places pretty cool and so it, it's a challenge to go through all of the countries and drink all of the beer and uh and i i made it about three-fourths of the way through with my family and then they left me so mm. um, and then you I got too to drunk to finish friend. yeah i did get really drunk i i usually don't throw up i did throw up because i was trying to drink beer <laughs> really up at disney world no no right when we got back to our campsite i threw up on the trees in the forest and uh yeah it was bad, it was bad. like a fucking gentleman you threw up on the yes yeah and no, it was just, like on disney uh, 
I don't know, man. I it, it could just be me and my trademark negativity, but being surrounded by that many people for that extended period of time, I think would just make me furious. I think I would get irrational and angry very quickly. Like I would rather take the same group of guys and go to like a mountain in Colorado for one fifteenth the price and twice as much fun. No, I'm not arguing that, but I'm saying like when I have kids, I'd rather go on like a group kids family trip oh okay so like if you had to go to disney world that's the best case scenario yeah because then i can still drink with my friends and my kids are kids and they'll you send the wives off to watch the children and the men become your men go to epcot and we just drink around the world that's what we're gonna do you you got me on board with that i can i can i can drive with that all right Uh, the other thing the other thing i did want to talk to you i wanted to just insert that alan hope you're having fun we'll see you next week yeah we'll get his feedback on on the trip Um, but the other thing I wanted to bring up is we've reached the end of the regular season. We're here. We made it for most leagues. Anyway, I'm actually in one league that still has one more week left of the regular season. I don't know. It's very strange, but it's, it's a, it's a 16 team league. It's a big league with divisions. So I don't know if that impacts it, but, um, either way I wanted to see, let's just summarize here. We're both in several leagues. How many leagues did you make the playoffs in? Were you generally happy with how your teams performed? Are you stressed out still? What's going on? Yeah. So in our league of record, uh, I think we'll, we'll start there since we're both in that league. Um, You and I, uh, we actually played each other this week and this was a very big week for you. I've already clinched a playoff spot in that league. Um, And I'm terrible. I am, I am, I should be in last place in, in our league of record this year, but I uh, I snuck my way into the playoffs as uh, I'm sure you and many other people are very frustrated about it because I've scored the least amount of points. My team is awful, but I, I just I I capitalized on matchups and when people didn't perform, I performed just slightly better. I am playing you this week and you are in a very close situation. So I'll let every, I'll let you tell everybody about your situation here, but I'm very comfortable in that league. I, mm-hmm. It's a punishment league. So the winner picks a loser's punishment. And the goal is to make it to the playoffs, and I did that so I can breathe easy. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, my my playoff hopes are all but entirely dashed. I think in order for me to make it into the playoffs, one of the other guys in our league would have had to have scored 30 points less than me. And mm-hmm. and he did lose, but I think he's only going to score like 15 points less than me. So I'm not, I don't mm. think I'm going to sneak my way in, unfortunately. It ended up where there was like a four-way tie, and so I, you, every every one of us needed certain things to happen in order to have a shot, mm-hmm. and it just didn't play out for me. Uh, and on top of that, actually, now that I think about it, one of the other guys that I'm tied with who has more points than me ended up winning. So I wouldn't have gotten in either way because of that. He was projected to lose all the way up until last night's game and then jumped ahead. And so, so it, do you get a little bit more nervous going into the toilet bowl with a, a potential punishment looming over your head? Yeah, yeah. The punishment league is a whole different bear because, you know, I, we're all, we're both in several leagues. I made it into the playoffs comfortably in every other league. The one league I didn't make it in is the one where I have potential to receive a punishment, and that is very sad. But more to your point, too, like where you're saying, okay, my team is, is really not good. I have the lowest points, but I snuck my way into the playoffs. That seems like a really common thing this year, and I think it's just because the NFL – was so up in the air this year. We had so many surprises yeah. and you know so many so many teams were so close. But like in uh in one of my leagues, I have by far like almost by a hundred points the most points scored out of anybody. And I think I'm in fifth place. Like I barely yeah. made the playoffs. It's, it's the and then in our dynasty league that you and I are both in, I think I have the third fewest points and I am sitting in second place with a bye week guaranteed for the playoffs. So it's just it's just random, man. It's just totally random. You make the yeah. best guesses you can, you bet the way you think is smart. And then you just let the fantasy gods handle it for you. 
absolutely. And then you mentioned our dynasty league. That one, I didn't want to make the playoffs because it's a dynasty league and you hedge your bets as far as do you think you can make a deep run in, in the playoffs? And I didn't think I could. So I sold away some some assets there. And unfortunately, um, I still might make it in the playoffs. I played Yeti this week or our other uh, podcast hosts. And, um, and I'm going to beat him, unfortunately, for myself. So there is a very decent chance that I do, in fact, make it in the playoffs there, which I didn't want. But, you know, we... I, I do not condone tanking. I don't think it's a the right thing to do because I do think that the genuine worst team in any fantasy football league should have the first overall pick in a dynasty format. And and I know that's not myself, but um, I, you know, so I don't tank. But it, it that one kind of sucks. And then in my other league, I'm uh, I'm in the playoffs. I'm in the playoffs, and I'm going to make a deep push and see if I can uh, if I can come home with a victory again this year for that dynasty league. So we will see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been an exciting year. I, in, in in my work league, which ended up being a pretty important league to me, I think I went the first nine weeks without a loss. And then in the last, uh, what would that be, five weeks, I have only won one time. So I went from sitting comfortably at the very top of that league to like, I'm still guaranteed a playoff spot after doing some arithmetic, but I had to do some arithmetic to make sure that that was the case. So things change very quickly. Yeah, I uh, they do. And that's it. Let's, uh, Scotty, as much as I would love to talk about our, our personal leagues, I think people are going to be tuning in to us to listen to some of the recaps that happened in the NFL this week. So we're going to go over all of those as well as the fantasy football implications that come with it. And then we are going to go over the waiver wire. So, of course, this is where you win in fantasy football. This is where you you continue to uh, to see success because the team that you drafted at the beginning of the year, if you're in contention for winning anything in fantasy, will not look the same. So we need to go over some waiver wire targets this week that I think are very, very pertinent. And then we actually don't have any questions this week. It's going to be a light week. We're going to try and get you guys out of here just a little bit earlier than usual. So unless anybody pops in and has any questions while we are live, we'll be more than happy to answer them at the end of the episode. But we have no questions currently lined up. So let's get down to business. Let's get down. Let's get down to business. We're going to kick this off with the Raiders Rams game. I wish Yeti was here for this, and I'm sure we'll we'll probably talk about it a little bit on uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning for those that listen to the podcast. But the headline here, the, the thing that had everybody talking, Baker Mayfield, he was signed to the Rams on Tuesday. He had two days to come in, learn the playbook, become a part of this offense. Nobody saw this happening at all. I, I know I didn't. And then Baker, uh, he didn't start the game, but he quickly became the starting quarterback for the Rams, and he did it. So he came in, there was less than two minutes left, a go-ahead touchdown. He got it. They beat the Raiders 17-16. to 16. So are you going to grab any of these wide receivers? Are you going to grab Baker Mayfield? Is this a, a one of the best comeback stories in the history of sports, Scotty? Uh, no. No, it's okay. not. Well, and here's the thing. You know, Baker Mayfield played well. He And obviously he played extremely well in light of the fact that he had uh, 48 hours to learn this offense. And you can tell, I mean, they were they were running a lot of play action. They were running a lot of just kind of basic schemes that allowed him to jump right into it. Um, and so he did well. I don't want to take anything away from him, but the, the, the Raiders lost this game for themselves um, in several different areas, but especially on that very last drive, uh, committing stupid fouls that, that kept the drive alive. Um, you know, the Raiders lost this game. The Rams didn't win it. 
I say that with all, uh, obviously, due respect to Baker Mayfield, who had an incredible game that was super fun to watch. Well, the last yeah, two minutes was super fun to watch. Absolutely. And we put a tweet out shortly after the win, and it pretty much stated we don't want to take anything away from Baker because it was awesome. Like, it, it is it is so, such a cool story, happy for him and whatever, but this does not mean go get any of the wide receivers for this team or go get Baker Mayfield because the Raiders are one of the worst defenses in the in the NFL. So, like, when you put that under a scope and you start looking at it, you're like, man, okay, they barely beat it. And, yeah, it looked good. But I don't trust this this team, this offense, really, if you put them up against somebody who's a worthy defensive opponent. So I'm not going to grab it. The other thing's a note in this game. It looks like Cam Akers probably is the RB1 on this team. Like, that has pretty much been solidified at this point. Cam Akers went 12 for 42 and one on the ground. So if you played him, you weren't disappointed because he saved his day with a touchdown. He also got a fumble. And then Kyron Williams went three for 19 and zero. So Cam Akers saw pretty much the majority of the snaps. Uh, And I don't hate picking up Cam Akers. I really do not. Um, I don't think he's great, but I think he is, is if you're kind of stuck in that purgatory running back situation where you have nobody, Cam's probably available, maybe. And, And I wouldn't hate grabbing him. So Cam Akers is really the only one to own in that backfield, and he's the only person I would risk starting, just given how atrociously disgusting this offense is. But beyond that, I, I probably would not. And I don't know if you agree with me there or not, but um, yeah, that's. I mean, I yeah, it's it's this whole offense is bad. I mean, bad. Like you don't want any part of it. This is the second string offense for this team, um, and you you don't trust them to get in scoring position. You know, Cam Akers again. You know, twelve touches is not terrible i mean if you're gonna throw that in your flex because you don't have any other options you could do worse um but you know i would not be excited about it at all and if you're relying on cam makers your team's probably not uh you know doing very well yeah so i would love cam makers in that situation um we'll move on to the next game here the new york jets versus the bills there's a couple things i'd like to discuss in here but i think at this point scotty like the jets are kind of a they're their real deal. I think that's a that's a fair thing to say with this team. Yes, the Bills beat them, but it was a it was a pretty dang close game to be honest with you. Um, Mike White, quarterback, starting quarterback for the Jets, he actually left twice in Sunday's loss for uh, for multiple injury checks, and he returned both times. So like Mike White is the guy who won't die. The second hit looked like it hurt pretty bad, but it was also really cold there and snowing. And so maybe he got the wind knocked out of him. That was my initial when I watched. I was like, it looks like he just got the wind knocked out of him. So he came back again, but also could have been uh, a a bruise or a a rib bruising. Maybe I'm not sure. Um, And we're still waiting on reports on that at the moment. But Mike White's up in the air this week. So if you do have Mike White, just just be cognizant of that information and and make sure you're kind of watching him as it gets closer to game time, because that's that's. You may not have my like. We'll, we'll see. Um, the other thing to note in here is Donovan Bam Knight. Um, I don't want to. I, I don't want to jink this, Scotty, but he might be the RB one for this team with Brees Hall out. Like that's that's kind of where we're at. And he, I mean, he went seventeen for seventy one and one. And then you had Michael Carter who came back and went five for five and zero. Now Carter did get worked in in the passing game. He went three for six for fifteen yards, was which was nothing great, but like. Zonovan Knight saw the majority of this workload. Is that in Michael Carter coming back? They may have eased him in. The Jets are a very difficult defense, but Bam saw the majority of these touches. So keep your eyes peeled for him, and uh, and we'll, we'll touch more on him in the waiver wire ad there. But uh, pretty good thing. I mean, he's a rookie, right? And it is pretty reassuring to see. 
I think for those that own Michael Carter in a dynasty format, does that make you slightly more worried going forward? Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about it last time you and I had this conversation, which is, um, you know, they were trying to get their young guys some work because they know how special of a player uh, Brees Hall is. Um, and they want to, to display this guy because on the off chance somebody's interested in picking him up, they might be able to get quite a bit for him. But the more he plays, uh, the more it seems like maybe they do trust this guy and maybe they do want to hang on to him for the long term and have two great young running backs in the backfield. Um, here's the thing. I, I, I think Zonovan Knight is good. Um, I, I do think he's good, but obviously he's no Brees Hall. Uh, long term, I think Brees Hall is the only one you want to own in this backfield mm-hmm. and, and everyone else is just up in the air. I do want to touch a little bit. We're, we're going to talk about this in more detail in just a minute, but um, the Jets play Detroit next week um, and the Lions defense, the Lions run defense in particular has been phenomenal. Now you can make the argument that, okay, the Lions pass defense is one of the worst in the league. So maybe this is a pass funnel defense where they're just throwing the ball all over them and they don't run the ball as much, but for whatever reason, running backs do not perform well against Detroit defense. So if you're one of these people that's high on Zonovan Knight, just keep that in mind, temper your expectations. I'm not saying to bench him, but you need to temper your expectations going in to next week, because I think there's a very good chance he underperforms. Yeah, and I think that is a very fair statement to say. You know, typically the Lions are you smash everybody that that you own when you play against the Lions, but the Lions are pretty damn good right now. They are on a hot streak. They're playing with confidence, and they they look good. So I, I would agree with you. I think Zonovan Knight is probably somebody to to temper expectations. Well, with. and it's one of those things too. Like if if you got your fantasy players are going to get up against the Lions, um, you want to smash your receivers. You know, mm-hmm. we, we saw Kirk Cousins throw for over four hundred yards, more than half of which went to Mr. Justin Jefferson. Like they just absolutely demolished the secondary. Um, But for whatever reason, their run defense seems to have improved significantly over the course of the season. And you want to watch out for that. Yeah. The last thing to note in this game, Dawson Knox, he redeemed himself with a touchdown after a complete goose egg last week. So if you had the confidence to start, start Dawson Knox, it paid off for you. Congratulations. If you're in tight end purgatory though, like the majority of us are. I mean, I think Dawson Knox is probably you're going to start him. Like that's the camp that I'm in. And so congratulations if you yeah. did that. Yeah. Uh, mo- yeah. Uh, moving on to the Browns Bengals game here. Uh, Bengals wide receiver Tyler Boyd will likely be week to week with a dislocated finger. Haven't had that happen, but that sounds pretty painful. And then T Higgins injured his hamstring in pregame warmups, which was uh, devastating for everybody who played him in if they were not paying attention and or did not get notifications and or uh, just thought he was fine and he well, would let, play through it. I, I want to ask you about that because I am one of those people who fell victim to this. I didn't get a single notification, and he actually played one snap. He was on the field for a snap, so it's not like they ruled him out right before the game. He was on the field as an active player for one snap, and then they took him off the field. So I didn't get any inclination that this was a yeah, possibility I had no idea. at all. Yeah. So, but it's one of those things too, that because of the way that this rolled out and maybe I'm just being optimistic because I own, I own Higgins and like all of my leagues. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, because of the way that this rolled out, this feels like a judgment call. This feels like, okay, we're going to, you know, you're fine. We're going to throw you out there. Maybe you're on a limited snap count, whatever. And then you see him running on the field and you say, okay, wait a minute, this is a soft tissue injury. This is something that if you get re-injured, this can linger for weeks at a time. We want to make a legitimate playoff run here. Let's just sit you for this game. You can come back full health next week. And I really think that's what's going to happen. I think they were just playing it really safe with T Higgins, who's had this little bit of a nagging injury. They want to make sure that he's good to go moving forward 
uh, at the end of the regular season and into the postseason. So I think T. Higgins is going to be fine for next week. Obviously, it's something to keep an eye on because there's a possibility they continue that mindset up until they get a little bit closer to the postseason, which would be terrible news for fantasy managers. Um, but I think there's a good chance that he comes back fully healthy next week. I, yeah, yeah, I'm not too worried about it. I will say if you do own T. Higgins, just be you know another guy to be watching, be cognizant of, because if he's going to play, you're going to start him, but uh, you you got to be wary of it. Um, Joe Mixon, he was, he's back in action. He, uh, 36 plays versus P Ryan's 26 plays. So Samaj P Ryan, he, uh, he's starting or he, I, I don't know. And, and, and I'm curious as to your thoughts, did he earn more of a, a workload given his performance last two weeks when Mixon was out? I mean, P Ryan, he took all of the third down work. He's also splitting the short yardage reps. So they trust him in the passing game. Like is P Ryan cutting into this, this Mixon time a little bit here? Like, is this going to be a trend going forward where they utilize both of them? I think it might be for the rest of the year. And I, I don't think it's because P. Ryan, you know, turned any heads while he was playing. Obviously, he did really, really well. And if you just look at the stats, you know, P. Ryan was just as good, if not more efficient than Joe Mixon over the course of time when he was the starter and the lone back. But you can chalk that up to the fact that, hey, he was the only back. So he got pretty yeah. much all the work. And so you saw more of him, more of an opportunity. But given their upcoming schedule, man, they're playing Tampa Bay, New England, Buffalo, I think that they want two backs that are ready to be worked into this offense because they know they have a tough schedule coming up for running backs. I, it wouldn't surprise me if P Ryan is still, you know, in the ballpark of getting a lot of those touches. Um, but I do think Joe Mixon, you know, obviously he is their RB one. I think as he gets healthier, he's going to see more and more of the production, but you know, P Ryan is not going away anytime soon this season. I don't think. Yeah. It is also worth noting that, that they do not have a great rest of season schedule. They've got Tampa Bay, then the Patriots and then Buffalo. So if you have them, you know, you're in a tough spot because those are very tough run defenses. So just be cognizant of that. And while we're talking about the run, let's talk about Nick Chubb here for just a moment, because you have Deshaun Watson who came back last week and played his former team, the Texans, and then they played the Bengals or they played the Bengals this last week. Nick Chubb has not been great. Nick Chubb has not been what he was at the beginning of the year. And Last week against the Texans, right? Texans are a smash play for for any running back. Like if you own a running back, you're playing them against the Texans because they're they're going to feast and they feast a lot and they feast often. Nick Chubb went 17 for 80 yards. Pretty abysmal for for Nick Chubb and what he has been doing this year. And then this last week against the Bengals, he went 14 for 34 and zero. He saw three catches through the air for 20 yards in a PPR format. You got a little bit of extra juice in that, but beyond it. What does Nick Chubb's what does his role look like with Deshaun Watson at the helm here? Because it, it's starting to look somewhat problematic for for uh, Chubb owners since Watson has come back. Do you think? I mean, obviously there's a correlation there, but is it is it? Are you hitting the panic button for Chubb? Uh, no, I'm not. Well, in 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 redraft leagues, maybe a little bit, but in dynasty leagues, no, I'm not. And and the reason for that is I think what we're seeing out of the production or lack thereof from Nick Chubb is this offense is figuring it out. This is a franchise now that uh, is trying to work in their franchise guy, their future guy, who's going to be the, the, the face of this offense. And they're just trying to figure that out. You know, they, they went the vast majority of the season with one particular person at the helm, and now it's a completely different person. And the offense itself over the last two weeks has looked worse with Deshaun Watson, but it's just because, again, they don't have that chemistry. They haven't been playing together. I think 
Nick Chubb is going to get more efficient every single game going forward. The question is, how much is this going to impact him right when it matters the most for fantasy managers? So depending on what your options are, you know, to me, if you got Nick Chubb, you play him. It doesn't matter. Like you, 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 you can sure. hit the panic button all you want to, but if you've got Nick Chubb, you're going to play him. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think that's probably the right option. And we just have to face the fact that this offense is not going to be quite as efficient as it once was earlier in the season, just because they're going through a major change and that's going to happen. Yeah. And I think the biggest beneficiary of this was at least in this game is Donovan Peoples Jones. He he had a great outing. He went eight for 12 for 114 yards and he had almost a 29% target share in this last game. I mean, when you're getting 12 freaking targets out of a receiver, you're, you're doing okay. Um, and I think as Watson gets more comfortable back at the wheel, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones, he could be a huge beneficiary of this quarterback change. We've seen what Deshaun Watson has done historically with Hopkins and Will Fuller. I think this is good. I think this is good for both Amari Cooper, and I think this is a huge bump for DPJ. Um, but I, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, you, you look back at Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is still a focal point for this offense. And and really this offense on paper now is very, very scary. And, and I, I think that it, we can start throwing that turn around a little bit more as Deshaun Watson knocks off some of the rust, which I do. I'm in the camp. I do believe he will like, he has not looked wonderful, but comparative to the Texans last week and then the Bengals this last week, I mean, or two weeks ago to this last week, rather he's looking like he's starting to kind of get it figured out a little bit more and get back into the rhythm of things. Unfortunately, you know, we may not, he may not hit that point by the time the season ends, but he'll have a whole off season to kind of work with the team and get, get back to it. So um, and then you got David Njoku, another guy that I think it, if you own him, you got to be playing him. He went, he went seven for nine for 59 yards and a touchdown. He finishes a tight end three on the week with 15.2 points. When the Joku's on the field, you know, you hyped him up a lot in the offseason, and then he started off a little murky and he's kind of exploded. Obviously, he's, he's ran through some health concerns as, as the season has, has progressed and he starts and then he gets hurt and then he starts and, when he's on the field, I think you have to play him. I think that's just kind of the the role he has earned himself. And I don't know if you agree with that, but he looks good when he's on there. Yeah, I mean, I, I am comfortable with him. You know, I, I've got Njoku and Dawson Knox and Dulcich uh, in a couple different leagues where these were guys that I, were tar- that I was targeting. And, you know, for mm-hmm. a while it was a little bit difficult to decide who to start. But I think Njoku solidified himself as the, you know, the tight end one out of that group. So if you're one of these people who's got a couple of those guys and you're constantly trying to figure out who to go with, I think Njoku is the guy. This is, you know, a, a very you know, it's a pretty good offense, obviously, with these major changes going on. But Njoku is getting the target share. If you're getting nine targets as a tight end, uh, you're happy with that, especially when yeah. you're near the red zone. I did want to touch base real quick on Donovan Peoples-Jones because as silly as it sounds, we really, as fantasy managers, have to be focused on whether the Browns are playing at home or away. Because if you look throughout the season, Amari Cooper, with now two different quarterbacks, oh, does not ever play well away from the Brown stadium. And we saw that again this week. We saw Donovan Peoples-Jones get a huge boost because Amari Cooper was non-existent in an away game. Next week, they're playing at home. So so I'll play Amari Cooper next week. He must have a homing device like attached to him, and it just it makes him feel really, really good, and he, and he plays better at home. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't have any explanation for it, but it is, statistically, you are 100% right. Every time he does not play at home, he doesn't play well. It's right. his bed. It's got to be his bed. I don't know what he's sleeping on, but it has to be his bed. That that's really the only thing I can think of here. So yeah, yeah, you're right. And and in those situations, they're both good receivers. And I think it, it DPJ in a dynasty format, if you own him, I think you've got to be pretty excited for the possibility of what what this could continue to look like because he is young. I want to say he's 23 years old. So 
we'll, we'll see how this progresses, but this could be a favorite for Watson down the road. This next game here is an absolute dumpster fire. I don't even really want to talk about it, to be completely honest. It was the Cowboys versus the Texans. The Cowboys win this game 27-23 to in a game that I did not think this would get this close. After the blowout that the Cowboys had against the Colts, I was like, oh, this is just going to be like, it's going to be a gross game. Like, this game's going to be over after the first quarter, and it wasn't. Um in fact, it was a very, very close game. If you played either Tony Pollard or Zeke, you were pretty happy. They they both did well. You're not going to bitch about their their performance this week. Uh, Dak, he threw two picks. Wasn't a good look for him, and that's probably what kind of kept this game a little bit more interesting. Um, you've got Chris Moore, wide receiver for the Texans. He went 10 for 11 for 124 yards, giving you 17.4 fantasy points. Is he worth an ad? I mean, is he worth an ad given how much Houston throws the ball? Like, are you? Would you add him, Scotty? No. Okay. No, I'm not. I'm not going to add him because he got 11 targets in a game where the wide receiver one and the wide receiver two didn't play. So yeah. to me, this is an extreme outlier and something that is probably not going to replicate. Um, I mean, if we come to next week and we see that these two receivers are not playing again, then maybe. But until then, uh, I'm not really interested now. Okay, and I, I share those same sentiments. Uh, Damian Pierce, he suffered a high ankle sprain, or see, it wasn't a high ankle sprain. might have been, I guess we don't know yet, but he did suffer, suffer an ankle injury early in the fourth quarter and did not return, which is problematic. Uh, Pierce went 22 for 78 and 1. So he had a usable game. He did have one fumble, so if you play with those rules in fantasy, he lost some points there. But I want to talk about Pierce for a second because he has not put up over 13 fantasy points since week 9. And while there's probably the argument to be made that he's on a terrible offense because he is a good running back. But I think, you know, as the season has progressed, teams have enough film on him to be able to stop what they're doing with him becomes somewhat problematic. I mean, is Pierce a must start going forward? It, you know, let's say this ankle injury is minor and he's he's suiting up still like is he still a must start for you or like is he like one of those flex consideration type players? Uh, I, I think he's somewhere in between. I think he's a must-start flex option. And based on where you drafted him, that's probably where he's been sitting. You know, if, if mm-hmm. your flex running back is going to be getting 20 touches a game, then you're pretty damn happy with that. Even understanding that this is an underwhelming offense and an underwhelming team, so it's not like he's going to put up 40 points. But it's it's one of those things where he provides some stability. They lean on Damian Pierce to some degree. Um, and, you know, for better or for worse, he's going to see the ball. He's going to get touches for the most part. Um, and so I, th- I think he's as reliable as a flex player can really be on most teams. So I, I don't have an issue keeping him in the lineup, keep an eye on matchups and see if you have any other options depending on the week, but he's not like an automatic sit for me by any means. Okay. Um, I want to talk about this next game. This next game I'm pretty excited for. This next game is the Vikings versus the Lions. The Lions win this game 34 to 23. At the beginning of last week, there was a lot of hype around the Lions being favored. And I think there was after especially this performance, it was in large part, there was a reason why. Uh, Lions win this game. So Dan Campbell must be the real deal because he beat a 10-2 and Vikings team. Were those your words, Scotty? Um, no. No, Dan Campbell is fine. I don't, oh. I don't, here's the thing. I don't, I've never once said Dan Campbell is not a good play caller, right? 
So I've got a couple issues with him. The primary one being after Hard Knocks came out, I just realized how dramatic and girly he is, and it makes me annoyed. But it. and then and then, and then uh, the whole Swift fiasco still frustrates me. Where they could have a healthy RB one right now if they just took care of him instead of trying to feed him just enough to keep him injured. Uh, and we dealt with that again this week, where you just you can't trust this running back room right now because they refuse to let their primary guy get healthy, and that just doesn't make any sense to me. But there's no question that this Lions offense is cooking, right? Right now, as fantasy managers, you want any part of this Lions offense that you can get, whether it's Amon Ra or, I mean, I say that, but the running back room is obviously is obviously rough. But when it's hot, it's hot. So um, the Lions are a team to look out for. And this is, you know, furthering the question of should the Vikings be where they're at this season? I mean, is this something that the Lions are that good or are the Vikings kind of fraudulent or somewhere in between? Yeah, you mentioned the linebacks running back room. Um you know, Swift did not perform like many, you know, after the week previous performance, the, the Swift hype train was at an all time choo choo. And it came to a screeching halt because he didn't really do much. Um, you had Jamal Williams, 16 carries for 37 yards. Uh, not great, but not terrible. Um, I mean, he's a touchdown dependent RB, too. That's, well, that's kind of where I And here's it. the thing, too, is that it, it would have made me feel worse about their situation if we saw Jamal Williams come in and get all the work. Um, mm-hmm. And we saw Swift kind of take a back seat again. You didn't see that. I mean, we've talked about it already this episode that this Lions run defense is serious. Um, and so it's no surprise that neither of these guys had a big game. You know, it's not great that they're spreading the ball around, but I'm also not writing off DeAndre Swift at this point in time because he didn't perform against a defense that has held every running back they played in check for the last eight weeks. So, you know, there's no surprise there. Yeah, Justin Jackson, he took all the third down work, another running back for the Lions. Um, He actually finished with the highest fantasy points for all these Lions running backs and 9.6 points. So Jamal Williams is still the person to own, in my opinion, with 16 carries. You, You love to see that, and he's still... Uh, on that kind of fringe must start category for me. Uh, you know, this, this running back room is kind of gross, but if I had to pick one to own, it would be Jamal Williams for myself. But let's talk about the wide receivers in this game for just a moment. I don't want to, don't want to go too crazy on it, but in our last episode, Yeti and I both pretty much had suggested that this was going to be a really fun offensive game. There's going to be a lot of fantasy football production and that, that turned out to be exactly the case. Uh, Justin Jefferson had 33 points for fantasy. DJ Shark, 21. Josh Reynolds, 16. Amon Ross St. Brown, 13. <laughs> Jameson Williams, 11. And then you have Adam Thielen with 19 and KJ Osborne with 14. So like the entire freaking wide receiver core for both teams put up over double digit points. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's I mean- good to see. They're both explosive offenses. Like I said, the Lions are really coming together well, and the Vikings have been very good on offense for the entire season. You know, they've they've all got weapons, um, so it's no surprise. And and you know, both defenses leave you know something to be desired, especially the Lions' pass defense, which is what we saw Justin Jefferson exploit going for two hundred and twenty three yards. Um, I do just want I, I really want to make sure that we we hit this point home. Uh, you put a stat on here. Detroit has not allowed a top 22 running back finish since Ezekiel Elliott in week seven. I went in there and added, because I looked at that stat line from week seven, Zeke went 15 for 57. He averaged 3.2 yards. He just got in the end zone twice. That's the only reason he was in the top 20 running backs. Um, If you take away those two touchdowns, it's yet another week where the Lions are destroying running backs. So I just wanted to hammer that point home. I thought that was an interesting stat. 
Yeah, and then they've got the Colts, Giants, and Packers the next three weeks for uh, for Dalvin Cook, who was held in check against this this Lions group. So, um, it's tough. That's a that's a tough look. Um, last thing to note here is the Lions have put up thirty plus points in five of the last six weeks. Very fun, Yeti. Thank you for uh, sneaking that stat in there. Appreciate that. Um, that's fun, man. I look. I said at the beginning of the year, the Lions. The Lions are my uh, my team. If uh, the Cardinals don't do well and looks like the Lions are doing better than the Cardinals. So I'm rooting for the Lions, Dan Campbell, the whole chaos that is ensuing. I'm all here for it. I love it. If we find ourselves in a uh, Detroit versus Miami Super Bowl, which side are you going to take? I got I Look, man, I'm going to take the Lions. I'm going to I love Mike McDaniels. I love Mike McDaniels, but. I came out at the beginning of the the before the season even started, and I was I was a Lions rider, so I'm gonna ride the Lions till the end. Uh, Lions won't make it that far though because they have a terrible defense. So, and honestly, the Dolphins won't either because they also have a terrible defense. Um, all right, let's move on to this next game. Here we've got the Philadelphia Eagles versus the New York Giants. Eagles molly whopped the Giants pretty handily, forty eight to twenty two. Yeti, you called it right, man. Miles Sanders went 17 for 144 and two. He was your start of the week. Uh, then he also caught uh, one ball out of the, the backfield for 11 yards. He's the first 1,000-yard rusher for Philly since 2014. Last person to do that, Scotty, that was Shady McCoy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, great day for Miles Sanders. You want to talk about the flip side of the ball. Saquon Barkley, he had he carried a neck injury designation for a good majority of the week, and he was questionable for this game, but he did end up playing, and he did not play very well. He went 9 for 28 and 0 and saw two catches out of the backfield for 20 yards. Not a great look. Not a great look for Saquon owners, and, you know, we don't really know what this neck injury necessarily was, but um, looks like it definitely hindered him as far as his performance is concerned. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about an injured running back coming in as an underdog with a bad game script. It's not a surprise that he didn't perform well. Um, you know, you play, obviously, play Saquon if you got him, uh, pretty much no matter what. But it's, again, no surprise. You take in all the factors there, and, you know, it's unfortunate, but you're not uh, not freaking out about it by any means. Yeah. Um, Devontae Smith, I think, you know, and yet he touched on this a couple episodes ago, but I think with Dallas Goddard out, both Smith and A.J. Brown are, are – pretty secure to play every single week they're both neck and neck on this on this one to be completely honest with you smith went five for eight for 64 yards and a touchdown aj brown went four for six for 70 yards and a touchdown so um aj brown being the first 1000 yard receiver for philly since 2014 jeremy macklin was that person so big uh big week for a lot of a lot of eagles players and really i think you know before we move on i I think we just got to talk about the eagles for just a second and they are the real deal, like both offensively and defensively. They are a juggernaut. I would be afraid to play them. You know, if one of your teams is a playoff contending team or like you're, you're you got to be worried because these Eagles are not slowing down. And Jalen Hurts looks absolutely incredible. He has taken such a step forward and it's so great to see. I'm, I'm really happy for him. But these Eagles, this Eagles team is not a joke. No, not not at all. I think they've they've got to be the favorite right now to to win it all. Um, they just look like the most complete team. And yes. you talk you talk about Hertz. You know, not only have we seen such a significant improvement from him on the field, but you sorry, my dogs are barking at somebody. Um, 
you see just in his demeanor, the way that his confidence has risen and the way that he leads this team now. Um, it, it's impressive every single week. You watch him on the field and he looks like a Super Bowl champion. He already yeah. walks the walk. Uh, he talks the talk. He's the whole package. So I, uh, I think the Eagles are probably uh, the best chance or have the best chance of taking home the gold. Yeah, and then Hurts, I mean, he plays the Bears next week, which is going to be uh, – that could go – I could see that go – or this upcoming week. That, that could go either way. And, and the only reason I said that is as far as fantasy football production, that could be another Miles Sanders-type-esque game or Jalen Hurts goes off. I mean, it's – either way, he's got the Bears, he's got the Cowboys, and then he's got the Saints. Not a not a terrible schedule. And if any – you know, I, I think the biggest one to circle here is the Cowboys because the Cowboys are a – they're contending. And, and I think it's going to be – um, you know, especially if they play like they played against the Texans this last week, it's going to be a, a very abysmal thing for Cowboys fans to watch the Eagles come out and destroy them. So uh, we'll move on here to this next game. Um, we want to talk about disgusting games. We're going to talk about the Ravens versus the Steelers. The Ravens barely beat this game 16 to 14, I think. And I, I don't know if I don't hold me to. I think I might have rather watched a high school football game. Because no, 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 no. I don't, don't know, throw man. shade, my guy. J.K. Dobbins is back. He's back. <sighs> He's and I'm back. so excited because I drafted him so many times. And I was so <laughs> excited to see that he's finally come back. And guess what? While we're talking about J.K. Dobbins, this man with the third string quarterback is going to be the entire team. So yeah. I think they are going to they're already a run heavy offense. That's what their identity is. That's what they've wanted to be. They just haven't been able to do that because all of their running backs are all injury prone and old. Um, J.K. Dobbins being back is huge. I think that what we saw from him this week is going to be the norm for the next couple of weeks going forward, because what else are they going to do? They're going to yeah. hand it to J.K. Dobbins and let him do his thing. And uh, hopefully he stays healthy, which is, you know, far yeah. from a sure thing. But assuming he does, I think he is going to be very usable and they have a great schedule for running backs to finish the season. Yeah. Steelers, uh, Browns and Falcons. It is a great matchup for him. Um and he's going to be the team, you know, Tyler Huntley left this game in the third quarter due to a concussion. Uh, if the concussion trend continues, like we've seen throughout the NFL, we probably won't have Huntley this week. And we'll be playing with a third string quarterback unless Lamar can, can squeeze his way back. And then Kenny Pickett left the game extremely early and was also ruled out with a concussion. So um, there's a lot of brain damage going on in this game and it hurt my eyes to watch. It really did. J.K. Dobbins did great. Uh, Mark Andrews has not looked wonderful, and he has not been playing wonderful as of late. He has not scored a touchdown or reached 65 yards receiving in a game mm. since week six. Let me ask you this. Um, we just talked about Dallas. Um, it didn't really hit the headlines because these two players are not fantasy relevant, but Dallas has a couple backup tight ends that rotate in. Both of those young men are injured now. Dalton Schultz is the man there. Would you rather play Dalton Schultz or Mark Andrews at this point in time? Now that is a, you know, I, I think there's a couple things that go into my mind when you, when you ask that question, do I have Lamar Jackson on the field or Tyler Huntley? Because if I don't have either of those guys, I think it's going to be Schultz for me. I, you know, mm. we've, we saw in this last game, uh, Andrews went two for 17 yards. Like that's horrible. Yeah. He had 3.7 fantasy yeah. points. He, th that's what you expect out of, a waiver wire grab. Any other time. Yeah, like that's what you expect. So it he hasn't been wonderful. He is still the tight end two on the year, which is is fine and whatever. And you know, if you drafted Kelsey, you're very happy because you have the clear, very clear tight end one that and I, I expect a lot of um contending 
fantasy teams that are are like championship bound to have Kelsey on their roster because he is that much of a difference maker. But I think I'd rather play Schultz. I think I would rather play Schultz, especially if both Lamar and Huntley are out. I think if one of those guys comes in, that might change it for me just a little bit. But if I'm playing with a third string quarterback, I'm not playing Mark Andrews. Yeah. Like I would I, be I, looking for some other options. Yeah. I, I would rather play Schultz. I'd rather play in Joku. But, you know, outside of that, I'm not getting crazy with Mark Andrews either. Right? And I'm joking a little bit. But even with a third string quarterback, I mean, you're still talking about a tight end with amazingly high upside in comparison to the other tight ends that you have as an option. To yeah. Play, yeah, you know? for sure. I mean, he's been tight end 13 since week six and Dalton has been the tight end five, but you know, I, I, and I may be right or wrong on this. I'm not sure, but I think there is, there, there could hold some, some validity to the fact that Mark Andrews is the last man standing in this wide receiver room. And, you know, we joke around all the time and call him a wide receiver, but realistically that's what he is. He's a tight end that catches the ball they put him, they line him up everywhere. They line him up in the slot. They line him up outside. He catches the ball wherever they put him at. But defenses can key off on that because there is no one else in that wide receiver room. Rashad Bateman was really the only other person worthy of note, and he went on the IR and has not been back. So perhaps that lends some some credence as to why Mark Andrews is not doing wonderful. And it's it kind of sucks to see, but that's where it's at. So um Najee Harris in this game he finished with 13 points the over under in our game this last week was 12 you guys took the over and I took the under this mother effer got a touchdown and I was so pissed off because he was not going to get it and at the very end he did so you will be hearing me sing Mm. the drop next time that we uh when we have Yeti on on Wednesday oh yeah I guess that will be Wednesday all right well I'm looking forward to that Okay, so last thing I have a note in this game is: Have you ever looked at, at Pickett's profile picture on like Sleeper or yeah, any of the fantasy sites? Because he looks like Joe Dirt's cousin. Like I look at him and I'm like, "You look kind of gross. You look greasy." So I don't go look at him. I'm telling I'm you, I'm doing it, that right now. I'm it does it not look wonderful. Um, Chris, appreciate the question, sir. We'll get that at the end of the episode, so just hang tight and uh, we will answer that for you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, he looks gross. Looks really, really gross. How, are you looking at him? Yeah, he looks good. No, he looks greasy. Get a haircut. Yeah, uh, a like Trevor Lawrence, at least looks like he like conditions his hair. That's what I'm gonna say. Like Trevor Lawrence, like why? I guarantee he, that man has the hair care routine of a supermodel. There's no doubt. Sure about he does. It. Have you seen those locks, man? And on yeah. top of that, supermodels don't have to wear a sweaty helmet all week. You know, he's, yeah, he's he's doing this all with a bucket of sweat on his head for, you know four hours a day yeah but Pickett looks greasy and like every time that that he takes off his helmet for our trevor lawrence does he looks like sarah jessica parker just like walking off a beach his hair's just all flowing in the wind so um maybe they need to link up and and swap hair treatment ideas because he looks greasier than shit we're gonna move on to the jaguars versus the titans this game scotty i i'm kind of surprised I, i'm gonna be honest with you uh, Jacksonville wins this game 36 to 22. I, I, you know, uh, and I'm going to be honest with you. I never think that the Titans are that good of a team. I really don't because you look at their roster and I'm like, Oh, they're going to be shit. Like they're terrible, but they're so well coached. The Vrabes knows what he's doing. And I'm, I am surprised that Jacksonville wins here, but I'm also not surprised because realistically you look at the Titans and if you can find a way to shut down Derrick Henry, you're in good hands. And that's kind of what they did in this game. Um, 
And Trevor Lawrence also played wonderful. He went 30 for 42 for 368 yards and three touchdowns. And then he also rushed for another touchdown. Like it, I good for him, man. I mean, he, he played really, really well and very obviously they won and it. And he's a huge component of that. So I, I think that Trevor Lawrence is, he's an interesting case for me. Really interesting cases as, as a, you know, a starting quarterback moving forward because Maybe he's starting to figure it out. Maybe he had a good day. I'm not too sure. I, I want to see how things progress, but it was it was good to see nonetheless. Uh, Zay Jones, he went 8 for 12 for 77 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, Zay over the last couple of weeks has done very, very well in this offense, and Christian Kirk hasn't. Like, it, do we think the tides have changed ever so slightly there? I don't know, man. It, this, this offense is just a little bit tough to predict. They've had so many ups and downs. I mean, even just looking at, you know, Trevor Lawrence is a good indication of how well this offense is doing because there are some weeks where he's in the top five there are other weeks where he's outside the top 20 and it just seems to go back and forth and sort of ebbs and flows. So there, even though this offense has averaged out, you know, quite a bit or quite a few points, um, it's still just tough to predict. Uh, Christian Kirk remains one of those receivers who, when he's got a good matchup, he, you smash him. Like he's, he's good. Yeah. He's got a good matchup, but he seems to have a hard time overcoming the tough matchups. Um, so for me, this is another one where I'm basically just basing that start and sit off of who they're playing. Um, and you know what the, what the outlook is looking like, but you know, of course we got to talk about Evan Ingram here. I want to let you know with this explosion of a game, he jumped from tight end 10 on the season and PPR points to tight end four after this. I just want you to understand, like a, and for those listening, that's how sad the tight end market is, is you can make that quick of a jump. So continue, Scotty. But it, it yes, it was a wild week for yeah. Ingram. It was. I went 11 for 15, 36% target share, 162 yards, two touchdowns, over 30 fantasy points. And again, that moved him from tight end 10 to tight end four. He's now all of a sudden the top five tight end after this one game. You know, the biggest thing to take away from this is that Ingram, like all tight ends has been very boomer bust. Like it's not someone that you're comfortable playing every single week. But one of the things that he's been consistent at is his usage. His time on the field is very, very high in comparison to other tight ends. So he always sort of had this as an option, right? It was always almost a matter of time before we saw a boom game from him. Maybe not, you know, to this degree, but we always assume that he would have, uh, you know, some usability at some point in time, just based on how often he's on the field. Um, so it's not, not crazy surprising, but uh, yeah, happy for him. Yeah. And then, you know, Travis Etienne, he went 17 for 32 and in, in zero this week, last week against the lions. We talk about how difficult the lions were as a pass run or a, a pass rushing defense. Etienne went 13 for 54 and zero. So are we starting to see what, a realistic floor looks like for ETN at this point? Uh, yes. Unfortunately, that's that's where we're at. I mean, he he's someone that just every now and again gets game scripted out. We've seen him be, you know, obviously great, and we've seen him come in and do absolutely nothing. So you just have to value him appropriately. He's not going to come in and, and save your fantasy season. He's going to be someone with boom weeks and someone with bus weeks. Um, and, you know, I'm still happy to have ETN. You know, he's, he's obviously a great yeah. athlete, a great asset, um, I'm not upset about it. You just have to value him appropriately. He's not going to be your RB1 every week. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we already kind of touched on this, but Derrick Henry or Buss, that's what the Titans are. They have no wide receiver help. And um, it is worth noting that, and, and it's kind of funny, uh, the week previous, the GM for the Titans got fired after A.J. Brown went nuclear on them when it was the Titans versus the Eagles. So, I, you know, it, and I don't know this. It's just a little bit of speculation that is kind of fun to talk about. But 
maybe they're regretting getting rid of AJ Brown for Traylon Burks here. Yeah, and, I mean, you have to be. You have to be. You see how great of an athlete AJ Brown is, and we knew that as soon as the as soon as the trade happened, right? Yeah. We said, okay, well, what are what are you going to do to replace him, right? And Traylon Burks is a good athlete, but you know what we're seeing what what AJ Brown is capable of. Yeah. Uh, you need to be able to replace high caliber talent with extremely high caliber talent, right? You want to win your trades. You don't want to trade away your best asset for someone who can kind of get the job done. Yeah. And I mean, he's a rookie. He hasn't really been very efficient this year. Um, I still think they need to, you know, he's had a lot of health concerns and problems in that, in that regard. So I think they need to once healthy, try and figure out how to get him involved because they gave a lot to get this guy. So we'll move on to the chiefs versus the Broncos. Scotty, your chiefs win this game 34 to 28. We're not a chiefs podcast. We are not a chiefs podcast. But I really wish Alan was here because I would love to hear his his take on this. He went absolutely nuclear in our group chat about this game. He was very upset. Um, let's let's kick things off. Let's talk about Russell Wilson for just a moment because he left this game due to what I thought to be a very nasty looking concussion. He scrambled on the goal line. Looked like he may may be able to try and squeeze it for a touchdown. He got tackled and he hit his head really hard on the ground. Did not look good. And then. Um, and I don't know if you saw it, but he took his helmet off and he had a really nasty knot on his head. Um, and he looked like he was concussed. Like he didn't, he looked like he had no idea where in the hell he was, but it looked like Russ was cooking before that concussion. I mean, he was not playing terrible. He went 23 for 36 for 247 and three touchdowns. And then he also went four for four for 57 on the ground. He did throw a pick. Russell Wilson was not playing terrible football against this chiefs defense. Mm -hmm. I know well, you're a Chiefs fan, so, so what's your take on this? Well, from the Chiefs fan perspective, the first thing we have to say is that we, over the last two weeks, have seen all of the holes in, in the Chiefs team, right? We have seen all of their weaknesses over the last two weeks, um, and it's it feels bad. feels bad, man. But we yeah. also, you know, fantasy people as well as just NFL fans knew coming into this game that the Chiefs defense is bad. Um, and this is the game that the Broncos have. They have a chance to actually do something, to put some points up, uh, and they did. And they were aided by the fact that the Chiefs had three turnovers. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes threw those three interceptions that gave their offense, uh, the Broncos, extra chances, uh, and they took advantage of those chances. So it's just one of those things. The Chiefs' defense is so bad. The offense has to be cooking for them to be able to uh, be as successful as we've seen, and luckily the offense usually is cooking. Um, I think that this was th – this hopefully is a look in the mirror game for Andy Reid because I think they panicked a little bit. I think they saw that this game was closer than it should have been. They started to, to, to call, you know, more to, to call riskier plays that involved Patrick Mahomes, throwing the ball into traffic, trying to force the ball to Travis Kelsey. They didn't give the ball to Isaiah Pacheco nearly as much as they should have. They should have just settled down, let their best running back run the ball, get some yards, take some time off the clock and just settle down. Right. It seemed like everyone joined Isaiah Pacheco and chugging four locos in the bathroom before the game. Everyone was just freaking out. Uh, and I hope if you they just, did that. <laughs> if, you, if they just calm down, the Chiefs offense is fine. Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. He just needs to avoid putting himself in the situation where Travis Kelsey's got to catch the ball or where it's screwed. And that's sure. that's pretty much it. So I think they give the ball to Isaiah Pacheco a few more times, um, you know, stop making Mahomes throw such dangerous passes. And I think this game looks a lot different at the end of the game. 
Well, you talk about Isaiah Pacheco. Before we move on to the Chiefs running back room, Jerry Judy went eight for nine for 73 and three touchdowns. Absolutely nuclear. If you played him, it was a very great week for you. Congratulations. I think Jerry Judy might be the only person on this offense worth starting because when he's on the field, it looks like he is he's getting work. Um, and, you know, Cortland Sutton did not. And when Jerry Judy was gone, Cortland Sutton was not getting worked in. Now Cortland Sutton is gone and Jerry Judy is still seeing work. So he's in that flex consideration for me at this point. And, and you're nodding your head agreeing with me. So we'll move on to Juju. I think Juju is still probably the wide receiver to own. If you want to play any any of these wide receivers, Juju went nine for 11 for 74 yards and a touchdown. So you got some production there. Um but this Chiefs running back room, you know, we have been pretty high on Isaiah Pacheco. I love Isaiah Pacheco. I think he's a great, he looks great as a runner. Pacheco went 13 for 70. He also saw three catches out of the backfield for 23 yards. He was on the field for 29% of the snap count. And then you have Jarek McKinnon, who went six for 22 on the ground. He saw seven for nine for 112 yards and two touchdowns on 39% of the snap counts. I don't know if you saw that touchdown. If you, I'm sure you did as a Chiefs fan. It looked like the, the stupidest touchdown I think I've probably ever seen in the NFL. Mahomes was just kind of rolling out and just kind of threw it under arm like a, it was a sack of potatoes. Uh, McKinnon caught it, ran it for a touchdown. It was a great play. And, and you know, if you play McKinnon, you're very, very happy about it. But um, McKinnon is out snap Pacheco in back-to-back weeks. So, you know, they have a very, very juicy uh, rest of season schedule for these running backs with the Texans, the Seahawks, and then Denver again. Um, you know, it has the has the script flipped a little bit as far as you know. McKinnon is probably the guy to own in this backfield. Uh, the, the script has not flipped at all. I mean, this is exactly consistent with what we've been saying since Pacheco took over the backfield, which is Pacheco will play when the Chiefs have a comfortable lead. And they've had a comfortable lead in most games. The last two weeks, they have not had a comfortable lead, which is why you're seeing McKinnon get most of the work. McKinnon is the pass catching back. He does have value in that regard. And we saw it today. We saw you know what his ceiling can be. The question is, looking at the schedule going forward, the Chiefs defense is terrible. So when they're playing some of these what should be easier matchups, are they actually going to be easier matchups? If you're on if you're on the boat that you're trying to pick up the Chiefs defense for the playoffs, then you want to own Isaiah Pacheco because you believe that the Chiefs are going to roll these teams and Isaiah Pacheco is going to get all that work. If you're a little bit more skeptical, maybe like I am, uh, that, uh, the, that the Chiefs are going to struggle a little bit in games where they should not be struggling because of how bad their defense is, well, then I think you could make an argument for McKinnon. But Ultimately, Pacheco, I think, is the one to own in the backfield. He's going to be getting the most consistent work. Uh, and even, you know, Isaiah, uh, or I'm sorry, McKinnon is on the field a lot during these passing downs, but it's still a question of is if he's going to get the ball. You know, there are plenty of receivers that Patrick Mahomes loves to spread the ball to, and just because they're in a passing down situation does not mean uh, McKinnon is going to be reliable. So I still think Isaiah Pacheco is the one to own, but I can see an argument if you're more skeptical of the Chiefs' defense going forward over the next couple weeks. I think I would probably consider maybe playing both of them against Houston that next week. And let's see how things progress with that. You know, historically we've seen the Texans give a lot of points to the running backs that the worst in the NFL at it. So um, I think you could probably do both of those to be completely honest with you. Um, Broncos running back room. You have Marlon Mack who went three for 15 and zero. He did get a touchdown off of uh, his two receptions that he caught. And then you have Latavius Murray who went eight for 32 and then he caught three balls for one yard. 
negative one yard rather. And then Mike Boone, who went three for two on the ground, and then he saw two catches out of the backfield for 27 yards. Don't touch this room. That's where I'm at. I'm done. You know, if you were looking for running backs, I'd much rather play Jarek McKinnon than I would any of these running backs. I think, you know, if, if you're rostering any of these guys, it's a disgusting thing. And, and it looks like a three headed beast that I don't want to screw with. So I, I would avoid that at all costs if possible. The last thing I want to talk about is the Chiefs. I'm a big, I've been very vocal about hating both Brittany and Jackson Mahomes. Let's just, let's just, you know, you're a fan of them. Not them, but the Chiefs, and and you're a fan of Patrick Mahomes. I just want to talk very quickly. We have not heard anything in the media about them at all this whole year. I want to tell you know what I'm going to do, Scotty. I'm going to take my hat off. Hats off to you, Patrick Mahomes, because you had a conversation with them and you said, "Hey, cut the shit. Stop making fools of yourselves, or else you're not going to be around." In in. So it's just so refreshing to see. It was one of my major gripes last year. Is I hated seeing him. I hated hearing about him. And I haven't heard it. You know, I was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, I haven't heard anything about those people anymore. And I was pretty damn happy about it. So hats off to you, Patrick Mahomes, for for fading them into non-existence for social media. I appreciate that. Well, the truth is, is that Brittany, Brittany Mahomes, you know, I never followed either of these people on social media, obviously. So I'm just seeing the headlines the same way that anyone would. Brittany Mahomes never really did anything that annoying. It was just that one playoff game where she's spraying champagne all over everyone before the game's over that made headlines. But outside of that, it's just been kind of assumed that she's crazy. But I don't know that I've seen much evidence to support that. I, I think crazy. she kind of looks she looks crazy. She, got she looks crazy like Ducky face, but from the a land before time. <laughs> A lot of women have crazy faces, and, and a lot of men do. doesn't mean they're actually crazy. So I'm not necessarily convinced that she's that bad. Jax Mahomes, on the other hand, is obviously fucking crazy. So yeah, I would prefer we don't hear from him anymore. Although I, I have said on the that. podcast, I will continue to say, as a Chiefs fan, I support my quarterback's family. I am fans of Brittany and Jackson Mahomes for that reason and that reason alone. Boo. All right, let's move on to... I, I, I did not. I know you saw this one coming, Scotty, because you can read into the future. Uh, Carolina versus the Seahawks. The Panthers win this game 30 to 24. Why didn't you tell us this was going to happen? You didn't ask. I don't know. OK, that's fair enough. Um, I, it's absolutely blown away by this because the Seahawks have been on a pretty good tear lately. And uh, and I think this this just goes to prove any given Sunday, right? Any given Sunday, any team can come out and win, especially this year. Um, was pretty great to see for, for I'm sure Panthers fans, they probably want their team to tank so they can have a better draft position, but that just does, you know, these players are going to come out, they're going to play hard. And, and that showed on, uh, on Sunday in this game in particular, don't think you can trust any of the wide receivers. So the Panthers, I would not. Um, but I, I think what you can do is you can look at the running back room and say, okay, this is interesting. Uh, you had Chuba Hubbard, who who had 32% of the target share, or the snap count, rather. Uh, he went 14 for 74 and 1, and then he went 3 for 3 through the air for 25 yards. Donta Foreman, he ended up leading the uh, leading the charge for snap percentage. He saw 47% of the snaps. He went 21 for 74, and then he did get one touchdown through his only catch through the air. And then Raheem Blackshear. I know you're a longtime fan of his. Um, he also plays a running back role for these Panthers, and he he uh, went four for 32 and one. So Foreman is still the guy to own. You know, you want to look at it from a snap percentage standpoint. Foreman is still the guy. Um, and I, I think that, you know, they play the Lions, the Steelers, and the Bucks in these next three weeks. Um, very favorable 
for for the run game. So Foreman becomes pretty interesting. He's somebody that I I think you might be able to spot start uh, in most of these performances. Maybe not the Bucks, but that's a good performance, and you gotta you gotta like that snap percentage from him. So uh, pretty great to see. Well, um, I, and you also do have to interject here with the same thing we've talked about several times: is the Lions are sneaky. Don't underestimate that Lions run defense. So if you got other they options, are. explore them. But I'm not and saying would, bench them, but explore them. Yeah, and I, I very fair to say the Panthers just have no one else. They're not relying on anyone else, which makes it just a little bit more of, you know, certainly explore your options. I agree with you. But Foreman would probably be the person when they play the Lions. He maybe I would start. Um, other than that, Lockett, Metcalf, and, and Godwin all had great days for fantasy, but the Seahawks running back room was awful this game. I did not see coming. There's not really much more to cover on this one, so we're going to move on to a game that I, I think needs some real discussion, and that would be Tampa Bay Bucks versus San Francisco. 49ers win this game 35-27. to 27. Holy shit. So We'll start this out by saying that Debo Samuels most likely has a high ankle sprain. His fantasy season is uh, is in question. They're expecting it to be nothing too insane, but um, you know we'll see because he did leave the game. He did not come back. Um, and speaking of not coming back, let's talk about Tom Brady for just a moment. Tom Brady. I mean, do you really? I, I don't know if you watch this game. I watch this game. Tom Brady went 34 for 55, 253 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. He got embarrassed. He got absolutely embarrassed. Is there like a legitimate, do you think Tom Brady comes back next year? Um, I actually think he would have more of a chance of retiring if they came out and dominated the season. Do you think um, he's going to come back with a vengeance? I, I think the fact that they are really struggling, he's on a one-year contract, man. Like he can yeah. go find a home in one of these many other places Absolutely. that can use him. Um, and given the fact that he uh, just sacrificed his entire family to the game of football, I, you know, I think there's a decent chance that he comes That's back. Again. Um, the question is, is he going to be worth having on your roster? And right now that remains to be seen. Yeah. Um, Bucks running back room, uh, Rashad white went 13 for 56 and zero. And then through the air, he went five for five for 21 yards. It is worth noting white was on the field 53% of the time while playoff Lenny was on the field only 47% of the time. So close to even splits, but Lenny only went four for 13 and zero on the ground. Lenny saw his entire fantasy football production through the air. He went six for seven for 33 yards. It's looking like white is probably the person to own. Like it, it is emerging. I think, you know, I kind of was sort of expecting it um, at the beginning of the season. But like White has shown himself to be a usable fantasy or a usable running back for this team. And I think that's going to turn over fantasy football production as the weeks continue to to move on here. So um, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, the last person drafted in the NFL draft this last year. Rookie beat Tom Brady in his first NFL start. That has never been done before. No rookie has ever came in and beat Tom Brady. So um, I'm not trying to sneer, smear his name, but it is worth noting Brock Purdy actually did not look terrible. So if you look at the stats from this game, I'm in the camp. They kind of eased Purdy into it, and they didn't necessarily force too much with him. Obviously, game script certainly helped. And, he, and, and Purdy looked good, and he made some really good throws. I don't want to take anything away from the kid because he did look good. But I think, and I, I want you to elaborate on this just a little bit more. Christian McCaffrey 
I think he's going to continue to kind of be a focal point. He's going to be even more of a focal point for this offense moving forward. Uh, he went 14 for 119 yards and a touchdown. He also saw another touchdown through the air. He went two for three for 34 yards and a tutty. So, like, it, you think Christian McCaffrey is going to once again be a focal point for an NFL team? Yeah, obviously. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they don't the, – the situation has presented itself where – the most viable option that this team has is to let their best player run with the ball and they're going to get him the ball in any way they can. And by the way, it also coincides perfectly with getting your young quarterback in his groove by allowing him to throw some of these dump off passes and short yard routes. Um, you know, you can have Brock Purdy throw a very high completion percentage if he's only throwing two receivers and running backs within three yards of the line of scrimmage. And that's exactly what we're going to see. Um, Christian McCaffrey right now is in a great position because he is on a much, much better offense and he's in the exact same role that he was in in Carolina as the workhorse in the backfield. You know, you need him there. Um, one other thing to note about Brock Purdy that I thought was interesting. Uh, he is 22 years old and Tom Brady has been playing NFL football for 23 years, meaning Tom Brady played an entire season of NFL football before Purdy was born. And then yes. he just comes in and beats him. It's weird yes. to think of it in that it way. Is. Tom Brady's been doing this for a freaking long time. He is the old goat himself. Is Brandon Ayuka must start moving forward with Debo? You know, let's say Debo, we're going to speak in hypotheticals because we don't know, but we'll say hypothetically Debo's done for the year. Is Brandon Ayuka must start in this game? He went two for three for 57 yards and a touchdown. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Brandon Ayuk gets a huge bump without Debo on the field. I will say. Even with. Purdy is his quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and the fact of the matter is, again, that, you know, this is a, a team that is very good about getting their playmakers the ball. And they've done it with Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's not like Purdy is that much better or, or that much worse than Jimmy Garoppolo. So they, they find ways to creatively get their playmakers the ball. And I don't see that changing. And I think Ayuk is still going to benefit from that. But I will say, all the reports are now suggesting that Debo's injury probably isn't as serious as initially thought. He'll probably be back in the next week or two. As far as a fantasy asset, maybe you get him in the championship. But I think he's definitely, in all likelihood, he's going to be out this next week, and we'll kind of see what happens from there. But I think Ayuk gets a big bump, yes. Okay, before we move on from this game, let's talk about Trey Lance. Because I have seen a lot of news reporters. I've seen a lot of speculation in the fantasy community let's talk about Trey Lance for just one moment and and this is more for dynasty players so if not maybe skip ahead 30 seconds a couple times but Trey Lance I a lot of people are concerned with him a lot of people are stating well Brock Purdy is you know I, and it was it was the most absurd thing I think I've ever heard I was and I don't remember what news station it was on but essentially um Brock Purdy had uh, been compared to Tom Brady. And they're like, well, this is how Tom Brady got his start. And he played great, just like Tom Brady and all this other stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, that's that's just crazy. Like, no, obviously, he's not Tom Brady. Like, It's not a thing. But do Trey Lance owners become concerned? Do they become worried about what the future holds for him, in your opinion? Um, in my opinion, no. And the reason okay. for that is because you're seeing – you know, I, not to take anything away from Brock Purdy, who had, a, who had a good game, but what you're seeing is the young quarterback benefiting from a complete team. This is a Super Bowl contending team. They are a very, very mm -hmm. talented team. 
And I think if you put Trey Lance in the backfield, someone with equal parts throwing upside, equal parts rushing upside, you make that contending team that much more formidable. So I think you got to be excited as a Trey Lance owner where you say, wow, Jimmy Garoppolo can have success here. Purdy can have success here. We're throwing in anyone and their damn grandma, and they can come in and take snaps and have success here. What is Trey Lance going to be able to do with a full season? Now, assuming he's able to stay healthy, he's able to uh, you know log many years behind this offense, I think Trey Lance is going to be the man. I think he's going to be good to go going forward. I agree with that. And I, I just I was curious as to your thoughts because I see a lot of people that are like, Trey Lance needs to be worried. And I'm like, does he? Because Jimmy G is not a good quarterback. We've seen what he is, and he is he's kind of just a game script manager that that gets it done by getting the ball into his playmaker's hands. Jimmy G's not a great, he's not good. He's not. And so, but he was still getting it done with this team because of all the weapons that they had around him. So I think you can, <laughs> I don't want to say it's an instant plug and play for anybody, but I, I and I, I'm not trying to take anything away from what Purdy did because I'm, I'm happy for him. But I think if anything, it solidified his job as a safe QB two in the league. And, and I think this is Trey Lance's job moving forward once he gets healthy. So, all right, last game of the week. We're going to go over the Dolphins versus the Chargers. Chargers win this one. This game is actually pretty dang close. At the end of it, 23-17, to 17, Chargers take the game. But it was an absolutely uh, terrible, awful offensive performance for the Dolphins. 2 through for 145 yards in total. The running back room for this Dolphins team looked awful. And aside from Hill's really, really weird touchdown scramble, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you have seen it, but if not... It was a fumble that Hill picked up and ran for 55 yards. Um, the whole Dolphins team really wasn't usable for fantasy purposes, which was pretty disappointing. Um, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams were back to form on this one. Williams, he uh, he returned from injury and he did great. He went six for six for 116 and one. And Justin Herbert is starting to play like he's getting more healthy again. So, Scotty, my question to you is, can you vouch... You know, you and you and Justin Herbert shared the exact same injury. You were pretty much the same person for a large majority of this NFL season. How are you feeling? Are you back to 100 percent health? And and in turn, does that mean Herbert is the same? Yeah, I'm back to 100 percent health. I actually think that I gained some power from going through this traumatic experience. So I think Herbert's probably feeling pretty good, man. I think he's probably even better than where he uh, where he started at. I do think it's probably important that we give some credit to the toughness of Mike White. Because I think the likelihood that he suffered a very similar injury here is pretty high. Um, I actually heard on a podcast this morning that there were rumors going around that he fractured a rib and continued to play through it. Um, so I don't know if that's true or not. That's what I heard, but man, like that dude's just a beast, and he came out slinging it. Um, but yeah, I think Justin Herbert's fine. I think he's good to go. Yeah, he certainly looked like it. So I think we've seen, like you know. And I don't want to write off the Dolphins because we are a pro Dolphins podcast and they are a fun team. They're a very explosive offense, but it just was not a good game for them. So I I'm not necessarily worried about any of them. You know, if the trend continues, then maybe we'll have some different conversations. But at this current juncture, I think, you know, you're still going to play Waddle. You're still going to play Hill, um, Moster and, and Wilson kind of become those fringe-esque players for you. Two has been great. So I'm I'm not super concerned with it myself. Um, and that's it. That's it for uh, for the recaps. So, Scotty, we need to help these brainiacs with the waiver wire. So we're going to do that. All 
All right, first waiver wire ad here is very obviously J.K. Dobbins. We talked about him in the coverage uh, for the recap. He's probably not on your waiver wire, but there he might be. He's 73% rostered, so go check. Uh, this Ravens team is struggling. They've got an injured Lamar Jackson. They've got an injured Tyler Huntley. And I believe that they will be turned into the run game, as you kind of alluded to a little bit earlier, Scotty, to help them. So I think Dobbins is probably, he is the guy to own in this backfield. So I would go check. Plus, the Ravens have a great finishing schedule for running backs, as we mentioned. J.K. Dobbins, go look, see if he's available, and then go get him. That is my recommendation to you. Because while he is 73% rostered, go check all of your leagues. Because he might not be. Next up here, as we mentioned earlier, Evan Ingram, another guy I think I would probably look to go grab at this juncture, especially if you're playing in you're in that tight end purgatory. Ingram went 11 for 15 catches for 162 yards and two touchdowns this last week, and he is currently the tight end four in the year now. So he does have some difficult tight end matchups, but if you're playing the tight end roulette game, like I mentioned, he's worth a dart throw to me. He's only 60% rostered, and I would definitely be submitting a claim for him if he is still there. Unless you own Travis Kelsey, in which case you you can uh, you can press forward. I'm I'm in the the camp to go get Jarek McKinnon for the running back, the running back for the Chiefs. We talked about him a little bit earlier. I, I think he's worth a speculative ad. And to be honest with you, Scotty, I went and added him in my other dynasty league that I'm in that I'm contending in. I didn't have a running back because John Taylor was on by. So I'm like, okay, I'll go get Jarek McKinnon. He was sitting on the waivers. I grabbed him. I played him, and I was super happy with it. He went 7 for 9 for 112 yards and two touchdowns. He's 68% owned, and if you're desperate, I'd be looking his way because he he's starting to kind of appear as the RB1 for the Chiefs. Now, I think Isaiah Pacheco is a great own. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I'm I'm I love the kid, and I think he's great, but McKinnon is on the field more. And that is worth noting as well. And, and the Chiefs are, over the last couple of years, since Mahomes has taken the helm for this offense, they're a pass-first offense. And, and McKinnon is still that pass down back. I think Pacheco's a great owner in Dynasty. But um, I think I would grab McKinnon here. And I think he would certainly, with, given the matchups they have, he's definitely worth a consideration for me. Yeah, I mean, definitely worth a consideration for sure. They're they're both game script dependent, really, um, because you're right. I mean, the Chiefs obviously have been a pass first offense since Patrick Mahomes sort of took over there, uh, but they're also realizing now that they don't have Tyreek Hill. Uh, they right now they don't have Nicole Hardman. Right, they're 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 limited on their passes or passing options. We saw over the last couple of weeks, Travis Kelsey have a little bit more difficulty getting the ball because defenses know, hey, if we stop him from catching the ball, who else is going to do it? Right. Um, and so I think the that that lends itself in two ways, because obviously they they were creative in getting McKinnon the ball. But I think it also tells. And after this close game here, this tells Andy Reid, hey, we can rely on our running back. We have a bruiser running back who is quick and energetic. And by the way, we have the best offensive line in football. Let's run the damn ball. I think this game was a look in the mirror opportunity for Andy Reid. I think he's going to start running the ball. That's why I think Pacheco is the better own. But for waiver wire discussions, yes, I 100% agree. If Jarek McKinnon's there, go pick him up because uh, he's a great ceiling play. Yes, and last on this is um, Bam, Zonovan Knight, nicknamed Bam. I don't know where that came from. We didn't give it to him, I promise, but that is what he goes by. That is what the fantasy community calls him as Bam Knight. I, I think he's a must-add at this point. Uh, he looks to have taken the role from Michael Carter, and that could be, you know, this might be a situational thing because they wanted to ease Carter back in. I'm not sure, but Bam has looked great. And I think you have to grab him at this point. Let's see how things progress. 
He's been doing a hell of a job, and he's only 57% rostered. And he has a pretty juicy end-of-season schedule for fantasy playoffs as well. I'd go grab him. He would probably be my top ad of the week if you did not go grab him last week. It's between him and, and J.K. Dobbins if Dobbins is still around, but I there's a chance he's probably not. So um, that's it. That's all the waiver wire targets that I have. I said, and I'm not, you know, I, I don't like to lie, Scotty. Uh, we did get a couple questions during the live segments, so um, we will roll over to that and answer those quickly, and then we'll get everybody out of here. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mail! All right, first question we have is from Alan. Alan Castro, our own... Oh. host who's not here he said is it true that if you don't use it scotty that you lose it mm. and he's he's referring to to fab dollars there oh oh okay is that true do you lose your fab dollars if you do not use it um i actually think you can deposit it um oh. and you get a return on your investment for that deposit but it Make comes interest. in the form of cryptocurrency um, mm. and you know, I don't understand that at all. So for me, yeah, you pretty much, you pretty much lose it. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. It is what, you know, we did get a uh, young guzzy, our NFT pigeon. We don't know anything about NFTs at all, but we did purchase a uh, young guzzy from pigeon loft over on Twitter. Um, and they sent us a cousin. They gave young guzzy a cousin. They sent us a cousin this week. So we, I very exciting. Pigeon Loft, thank you so much for an NFT. We don't know what to do with it, but we own it, and we're excited about it. And while birds are not real and pigeons are created by the government to spy on us, um, pretty cool that they they gifted us that, so we do greatly appreciate it. Uh, next question, we're going to go Jelly of the Month, which you mm. love this name. And I, I Scott, what's your favorite jelly? You, you jelly guy? We have had this conversation before. I think this person has made a comment before because you asked me that exact same question. And then I said, I don't have an opinion on jelly, but I do love crunchy peanut butter. Oh, yeah. 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 Hey, jelly of the month. Appreciate. I'm so sorry. My apologies. I was a raspberry guy or blackberry. One of the two. I love both of them. Um, Anyway, the question that jelly of the month asked, uh, he picked up the Chargers defense versus the Colts for week 16 of his playoffs. He's got the Chiefs defense for week 15 and 17. What are our thoughts on that? I, I will say the Chiefs defense is probably the most sought-after defense for fantasy football playoffs due to their their matchup. Um, oh, that's just so terrifying. It is. It's weird. Loud. It is. And it's a scary thing. Did you and, watch the Broncos game? Did you watch yeah. Russell Wilson double his total touchdown? He was unlimited. <laughs> Until he smashed his head in the, on the ground. Yeah, um, it yeah, it was tough. I like that. I think the Chargers defense against the Colts. The Chargers and Brandon Staley, he's a good coach. They're a well-coached team, and I like the Chargers. The Colts, we watched them get embarrassed by the Cowboys. But you also have to remember that the Colts have John Taylor, and they still do have weapons. So um, I don't know what your other options are. I'm going to say I will give you my nod of approval because I don't hate that pickup. Um, and I guess it would really in turn depend on what other options you have. Love the Chiefs defense, though. I you know, I did the same thing in, in my dynasty league that I'm competing in. I, I went and grabbed them a little bit early. So uh, Chiefs, definitely. Chargers, situationally dependent upon what else is available, but don't hate it. Um, all right, last question we have here is from Chris. Hello, Chris. Welcome. Uh, week 16, he needs two running backs, one wide receiver, and one flex. So his options... Scotty, I'm going to try and read through these a little bit quicker here. He's got Saquon, 
John Taylor, Romandre, J.K. Dobbins. You like I rolled my my dre. Um, George Pickens, Adam Thielen, and Zay Jones. And then he's got JMO versus Carolina. I don't know who uh, Carolina plays in Week 16, but I'm assuming that's Jamison Williams, wide receiver for the Lions. Do you have a preference here? And he he did put who they they went up against. I I figured I would leave that out for sake mm-hmm. of people listening on the pod. Oh, let's see here. Um, I don't know. Go go with your thoughts here. What are you thinking? Okay, I'm going to take I mean, Dobbins. We, yeah, you got to go Dobbins. Dobbins, Dobbins is one right? of my running backs because, exactly. uh, yeah, that's juicy. Um, he's healthy. Yeah, that could be a 150 yard game. Yeah. Uh, so it's got to be Dobbins for me. I'm going to take Saquon as my other one. Um, granted, let's see how this whole neck thing progresses because we don't really know the full extent of, like they just said he had some neck issues. Um, I mean, if he's going to play, I'll take him against the Vikings because Saquon is a focal point and the, the Vikings defense of the last couple of weeks has been pretty atrocious. So um, I'll, I'll take those two. Uh, what do I need? It's still a wide receiver and a flex. I'm going to go... I'm going to take Adam Thielen, I think. Um, I don't, the Jets have a very real defense, and Jameson Williams, other than his touchdown this last week, has been pretty irrelevant. Um, and I don't yeah. trust Kenny Pickett. I don't. The Raiders are a really bad defense, but I, I just I don't see them getting it done. So I'm going to take Kirk Cousins and Adam yeah, Thielen versus. But the Aaron. question is do you tr- trust Mitch Trubisky? Because he might be the one that we oh. see here. No, I don't. If you would have asked me in the preseason, I would have sold my soul <laughs> to give uh, some Mitch some love because I love kissing titties. But um, no, I don't. So I'll take out. See, of I think I got to go Pickens on this one versus a Las Vegas defense. And, you know, normally I'd say, OK, Las Vegas, they have a terrible defense. So all they're going to do is get run on. But uh, obviously Najee can't do anything. So I think Pickens might have a he big got, game here. He's going to make me sing this week. Um <laughs> That would be my receiver. And then for my flex, it's probably, man, it's either Mondre or JT is is who I would go with in the flex. Yeah, I, I think you got to go with JT, man. It, it's not a great matchup, but, you know, this is the number one overall pick for a reason. He's got the highest ceiling out of anyone on this list. Um, I think you got to go JT. Okay. Then there you are, Chris. So I hope that helps you, and I appreciate your question. Uh, that's it. That's all the time that we have. We're gonna try and get out of here, like I said, a little bit earlier than we usually do. And we'll, you know, we've we've had a couple people reach out, and they, these episodes do get rather lengthy as we uh, fill up, fill you in on everything. So we'll try and have a little bit shorter of a questions on on these episodes. So that is it. Appreciate you guys joining us. This is your first time here. You are now a brainiac, and if you are a returning listener, of course, you know that you're a brainiac. Go give us a follow at Leatherbrains on Twitter, Scotty. We're getting close. We're getting close. We we set out at the beginning of the season to get ten thousand followers by the mm. end of uh, by the Super Bowl, and we're at ninety two hundred roughly. So All right. go give us a follow. Yeah, we're we're doing a lot of content over there, and uh, and it is a good time. So we appreciate all you brainiacs that are always talking to us there as well. It's a good time. So that's it. It's all the time we got, and we are out. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leather Brains. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app and YouTube, as well as following us at Leatherbrains on Twitter and Instagram. If you're looking for specific fantasy advice, including draft advice, trade insight, starts and sits, or even if you want our thoughts on your sports bets, please feel free to send us a DM on Twitter for an answer 
and a chance to have your question featured on a future episode. Again, thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back before you know it.